Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Chris Savory, live from the Manga Club, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> So that was Chris Savory, one of our Kickstarter backers, alongside his wife, Olivia, who won our Tennis Podcast Aways competition and got a tennis holiday in the Manga Club as a result. Delighted they had a good time. Uh, if you go to our Instagram page, you'll be able to see pictures of them uh, in their Tennis Podcast shirts at the Manga Club, about to... to uh, illustrate their own Rafael Nadal-like left-handed forehands. How's your forehand at the moment, Catherine Whitaker, on this uh, this lovely rainy day in the UK? We've just seen a lovely week of tennis. Shanghai's just finished. Novak Djokovic has been amazing. But have you? Is your forehand all right? Uh, well, it's not left-handed, um, right. but might be a bit more effective if, if it were. I mean, I've still got the, the forehand constructed by La Manga Club, uh, this time last year, so I've stuck with my new my new grip. Right. Um, it's not it's not had a lot of outings recently. I played paddle tennis in the week. I've cheated on tennis. I don't know if it because it's a form of tennis. I don't know whether it it counts as cheating. Uh, no, I'll let you have that. Uh, well, what, is paddle tennis it, any good? It, Should people a have a direct descendant? Do you know what? Um, I was a bit cynical and skeptical because I'm a I'm a boring cynical purist uh, and I absolutely loved it really loved it and it solves I, I'm not saying it's better than tennis but at the grassroots participation level not at the elite level at the participation level it solves a lot of the problems that you have with tennis the the best and the worst thing about tennis is how difficult it is it is so difficult and if you're no good at it I don't think it's that fun to play tennis if you're rubbish personally um I see people doing it and sometimes they look like they're having some fun but, but um whereas this I I mean okay I've got a bit of a background in 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 tennis but I'm no great shakes and it's it's pretty different and I picked up a paddle um and I could do it you know and um yeah it was really really accessible scoring systems the same as tennis so from that perspective you know there's not a bunch of rules to learn or anything it's quite kind on the body because it's sort of on an astro surface um I wasn't creaking in my joints afterwards why Um, is it easier uh smaller smaller court I mean it's just technically easier you can 
I, I, I don't know. I'm, You're playing I'm in a box, old. though, right? Using a back fence. You're playing in a box. It's kind of a hybrid of squash, tennis and badminton. Um uh, you're playing with tennis balls in a box. You can play off the walls. That was something that I didn't master in any way, shape or form. Te- apparently, David, 10 million Spaniards are active paddle players. 10 million compared to 200,000 active tennis players. Oh, my goodness. That is, yeah, that is I shocking. Mean that, yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't want it to take the place of tennis. I absolutely don't want that for a second. And I'm not sure at a, I'm not sure it makes a brilliant spectator sport, but as a participation sport, it's, I mean, every, so I played um, in Guernsey, at the Guernsey Tennis Club, and I think that every, every single court was booked out the whole evening. There were people waiting to come on the court. We had to kick people off the court and the tennis courts were empty. Which which current male and female tennis player would be the best at paddle tennis in your opinion? Oh, well, I I because I I couldn't master the playing off the walls thing. It's so not instinctive for a tennis player. Right? Imagine if you've played a lot of squash, you'd find that a lot easier to to take to. But I just couldn't. I was just left sort of standing there gazing at the ball. I found myself volleying a lot, and I found that very effective. So maybe maybe the better volleyers, but um, I I I don't know about that. I really don't. I mean, Stefan Edberg famously um, he took up squash after he retired from tennis, didn't he? And he was like the this vet's number one squash player, I believe, in Sweden. Mm. So maybe somebody like Edberg okay played played right. a bit of squash. Well, I'll, maybe we can have a best of sort of five match uh, at uh, squash tennis. Paddle, tops. The other thing ball, is, it might tennis. be the one. It, it might be the one for you, David, because topspin isn't a thing Hold in on. paddle tennis. I can do topspin if I'm on my game. <laughs> do you mind? All right, I've just, I've just not seen evidence of that with my own eyes. That hurts. I did that good topspin into the ground <laughs> just before the net, and then it bounced over yeah. like table tennis. So, anyway, yeah, that... enough of that. Um, I, I don't really want to talk about my rematch with, uh, with with local pal Simon because it went very similarly to the previous week except I also had to stomach a bagel uh, but I did I, I did lead the second set 5-2 before again <laughs> we're going to have a segment today on choking uh, because we've got some more evidence of choking and uh, you've also been in touch with uh, your submissions at tennis podcast for the biggest choke ever well I've I've now gone consecutive weeks leading 5-2 double break three times serving for a set and both times failed so uh, you know. it's it's because it's because you're highly intelligent, David. That's what it is. Thanks, Catherine. Acor- according to Freakonomics, anyway. Excellent. Appreciate that. Right. Let's talk about tennis that's gone on this week in the real world, not in our, uh, our pretend little uh, tennis matches where I've got literally zero people watching at my club. Anyway, uh, Shanghai has finished today. We come to you on a on a Sunday evening, uh, a little earlier than normal this time on the tennis podcast because uh, Djokovic has already played and beaten Borna Chorich 6-3-6-4 to win the title. 18 match wins in a row. He's won three tournaments in a row, Cincinnati, US Open and Shanghai. I mean, he is, he's getting better, Catherine. He's, he's dominating the tennis world on the men's side again. And, and uh, those three tournaments, of course, don't include the Wimbledon title that he also got shortly before. It is like we've just gone in a time warp back to, to 2015. Uh, he he feels no different. Yeah, it, it is absolutely like that sort of two year, eighteen month hiatus just didn't happen. He's back into. Uh, I remember before the U.S. Open, 
saying, you know, I, th- I think he'll challenge. I think he'll win more Grand Slams, but I don't see him just relentlessly dominating in the way that he did. Well, <laughs> that is not analysis that is aged well, um, <laughs> because Fortunately, that is precisely yeah. what he's doing. So, slight, slightly unfortunately, there is an archive full of <laughs> all of our cock-ups from the last seven There's years. There's no escaping from it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, well, I mean, I gave my arguments back then. I just... I just didn't see that week in, week out, that just that invincibility shield surrounding him. That he, I mean, as soon as you sort of clicked out of it, as soon as Djokovic became human again, it made us realise how extraordinary it was. And I just thought, I don't see how someone can capture that level of extraordinariness twice. And he's, he, I mean, well, he's, he's doing it, isn't he? He's doing it. I think he's probably favourite now to finish the year well, number one, he, he's oh, yeah. take he's he's taken the number two spot from from Federer. Um, he's sixty one and four in China. He does love playing in China, doesn't he? Um, I mean, and, you know, I I don't actually much as I like giving you a hard time. I don't even feel inclined to give you a hard time over that that analysis back then because a I think I was saying pretty much the same thing, and 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 b. Just it, it it is unlikely on paper to see somebody dominate that much, go through the sort of injury problem he had with with, a, with an elbow injury that kept him out for six months, and to see a quite clear drop in motivation. That that's the thing that four things needed to happen for him to get to this position again. He first of all needed to get fully fit again. Second of all, he needed to get find form and. If you remember earlier this year, in in even after the surgery, he had he had a couple of months where he just didn't look like the same player whatsoever. He was losing to people he would never lose to before. So form was the second thing. the The third third one was just the sheer desire and willingness to put his body and life on the line to win tennis matches to make that the thing that mattered the most to him. Because I I don't care how good you are at this level, you can't just half arse it and and he he's had to put in the training and also be out there and be prepared to just do what it takes and and the fourth thing is the aura that that's what you need in order to properly dominate isn't it because I don't think there is a player in the world that that really thinks at the moment that if Djokovic plays at his best that, that they're not comfortable against him nobody thinks if I play my best Djokovic is not going to be able to do no well I mean Borna Cioric was Absolutely brilliant yesterday, and let's face it, took care of Roger Federer the, at the at the well with the at the time the world number two now world number three um, handily, and yet he walked on court today, not really believing. I don't think he, that he had a, a chance against Novak Djokovic. I mean, look, the matchup for him is horrible because he's like a. Djokovic impersonator, isn't he, with his game? It's like Ferrer playing Nadal. Those matchups can be ugly. He he gave he he played well, I thought, and still come up came up um, well short in the final. But he did he did as well as anyone did against Djokovic this week. I mean, he he was barely challenged Djokovic. Let's be honest, he was that good all week. I mean, the way he dismissed. Sasha Zverev in the semi-finals yeah. who, who didn't utterly play dismissed well, him. But, but, but no. still, there's a, there's, there is also a reason why he didn't play well. I mean, okay, his serving maybe wasn't what it had been, but Djokovic puts pressure on you that other players don't. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Is that the end of the point? Um, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. that is as simple as I can put it because 
you know, you remember when even Lendl was coaching Andy Murray and he said he used to look at Murray from from behind in his returning position when he was standing at the back of the court and he would he would look at how Murray shrinks the court for you as an, as somebody trying to hit winners. Well, Djokovic does that even better and he does it he he does it without muscling the ball. He times the ball and he and he'll turn the he's such a clever tennis player. That's the other thing. He's not just a, a good ball striker and a good mover. He just is a nightmare to play against because he, he, he understands the geometry of the court so well. He makes you he makes the opponent bail out of points in a way that they wouldn't usually. He makes them panic and just go, I have got no chance of winning a, a ping pong battle from the back of the court. I've got to make myself do things that don't feel comfortable to me or put an extra 5% on my shots or take myself out of my comfort zone. And frankly, only exceptional players can do that at a at a sustained level. And, it, and, it, and I say again, that is exactly what Borna Church did to Roger Federer the day before. Federer was bailing out on points. You could see him panicking and going, goodness, I, I, I can't win this from the back. Um and, you know, he was trying to, he's kind of trying to bluff his way through it, Federer, it felt like. You know, Peter Fleming in the commentary on Sky said, Federer's trying to win this with smoke and mirrors at the moment. And that's what it felt like. And that's and, a and, trend this year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But uh, but look, Chorich was brilliant. And, and there's no doubt he is he has gone up a gear in a very understated way this year. I mean, I didn't realise he had a, a serve like that on him that, that I saw from him this week. I didn't think a, a serve, the serve would ever be a, a huge weapon in his game. Um the way it was this week, um, but unfortunately, as I say, the the uh, the the, Djok- the matchup for him against Djokovic is just um, at the moment a no hoper. I mean, I, I want to speak a little more on Chorich uh, before we move on, um, but first, just on Djokovic, he, he is barring a miracle. I think he's going to end the year world number one, and whilst he's playing like this, and the way he's scheduling himself as well, I mean, he's he's playing a very clever game here he's now worked it out he's just he's going to save himself for what matters in his view and I just it's I know we, it's very easy to get carried away with these things and, and 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 just take the current status quo and assume it will continue but he's got he's got the form he's got the history of having had these sort of periods of utter domination and and it's it is hard to imagine where it will stop. I mean, I guess the obvious full stop is the clay court season when Rafael Nadal kicks into gear because the assumption is that that will happen. But it might not. I mean, Nadal has has had injuries. Maybe he won't be able to be, get back to his, his best. And even if he does, if Djokovic plays like this, it's a, who beats the guy? How do you beat the guy? Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the fact that you know, two years ago we were saying this, or two and a half years ago we were saying this, and I, I just couldn't, I exactly the same. I couldn't em- envisage, you know, what it would take to stop him, to to stop his relentlessness, and things changed so quickly. You know, it, j- just in the space of a year, look at where we were in men's tennis a year ago, and look how, you know, looking down our agenda today, we're about to talk about where the Federer's finished. <laughs> you know, things change so much. So yeah, I can't see it. I agree with you. I can't see it, but the, uh, there's a lot, <laughs> as is evidenced by a back catalogue, David. There's an awful lot of things that happen uh, that we don't necessarily see coming. No, no. So we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll couch it like that. Uh, Borna Chorich just 
more generally is somebody i, I mean it, it, it was a surprise to me when i realized today that he's still only 21 because he seems like he's been around for, for such a long time i mean my, the first time i ever saw him play was in 2013 in the davis cup against great britain so he, i think he was 16 or 17 uh, in umag and, and he played andy murray and he of, inevitably got taught a bit of a lesson that day but he then uh, had some breakthrough wins he beat nadal he beat murray but they felt like the sort of wins you get against one of the top players when they're just not at the top of their games and then he sort of plateaued and and I remember him playing against Nick Kyrgios in I think one of the summer events in the States and Kyrgios was was really disrespectful of his game in in not and not sort of in a sort of um overtly uncomfortable way just in as much as he just felt like he shouldn't even be on the same court as him and, and Kyrgios wiped the floor with him and at that stage, you'd look at Chorich and you'd think, well, where where does progress come from here? He's 50 in the world. He plays well, but how does he ever hurt anybody with this sort of metronomic game without any real weapon and a, and a slightly dodgy forehand? Well, that's changed because he is hitting the ball so powerfully all the time. And the, the biggest comparison I could make, to it and this is really going back but I remember watching Mary Jo Fernandez play tennis who was somebody who also had a very strong consistent game but couldn't hurt top players and then she suddenly found a way to to hit her forehand that started to hurt the very best players in the world and uh, and I, I I just find it really interesting to to see somebody work on their game to that degree he's he's got a different coaching setup these days Chorich uh, in his coaching team as well is is it Ricardo Piatti isn't it who's uh, who's part yes. of the coaching team as well it's not yes, his only I, coach I, but I think that's had a, a big impact I remember seeing him at our, uh, our Amazon Prime Studios at the US Open backed onto the practice courts and I saw a figure on, on the far practice court from us so five courts away and I was so impressed with how he was hitting the ball uh, and I thought I can't I can't that must be one of the top players but I can't make out I can't make out who it is. And it really took me a while to realise that that was Borna Chorich because I didn't associate the, the strike on the ball that I was seeing with Borna Chorich. He had beefed things up and I was keeping half an eye on him the whole time. I think he lost out third round uh, in the end, um, did Chorich at the US Open. But I, I, I and I, you know, I, I said to Greg, is that after my far too long, far too many moments of... Uh, of wandering uh, before the penny dropped. So is that Borna Chorich? And um, he's, Greg commented on the, the difference he thought that, that Piatti was making and everything. So he's definitely beefed up his game. He's never going to be one of, the, you know, never going to associate him with like Hulk-like strength, are you? But, uh, but yeah, in the midst of all these guys that are having a huge fanfare made around made around them, he's just slowly and steadily steadily rising up the rankings. Um, and he seems like a very smart guy, quite a serious guy. I think it's yes, fair to I, say. I, I don't, so. I don't, don't think he's in in the the lads, lads, lads gang, is he? Um, no. You know, the next gen. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's in a very different way to Sitsipas. I think he's got a bit of Sitsipas about him and that he doesn't 
doesn't mind doing his own thing, no. being his own man. Um, so he's an, yeah, he's an interesting character. I, I like his He's got fuzzy hair like Djokovic as well. He does. But I, I, just, I like the fact that he's just carried on plugging away. And, you know, he, he could have gone he could have gone awry. He would have earned good money and all the rest of it. But he obviously really wants it. And he's gone back and he's made more of his his career than, than he was making of it. And I, I've got a lot of respect for he's that. Only, so. He's 21, David. I know. But you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's very easy to just get disillusioned, I think, or to to rest on your laurels a bit and think, well, you know, I may as well just stick around here, work like I am and 50 in the world, good living, all the rest of it. He's obviously got a lot, a lot that he wants to achieve in the, in the, in the world and in the career of tennis. So, um, Good, good for him and well done, Borna Chorich. Incidentally, uh, we will get on to talking about Roger Federer and Alexander Zverev uh, in a moment, but news hot off the press uh, as I come to you here is that uh, a press release has just been re- released to say that medical studies carried out on Saturday showed that one Martin Del Potro suffered a fracture of his right patella bone in Shanghai. It's a very difficult Ooh. moment for me, he said. I feel very sad. It's a hard blow that leaves me without strength. It's very difficult for me to think about recovery again. I did not expect this to happen, said Del- said. I love this. The official press release said Delpo, who is wearing <laughs> who is wearing a splint on his right leg. In the coming days, the doctors will evaluate the pr- the recovery process needed to return to the court. I mean, the, he ain't playing the O2. With a with a fractured right patella bone, I can't I can't imagine. No, all I can think, trying to clutch at straws of positivity here, is that okay? It'll be. I mean, I can't imagine he'll be able to do any physical activity at all without upper body, I suppose. But in terms of the long term, a bone fracture is probably better than something muscular some something skeletal i don't know i'm i'm uh speaking beyond my brief in the in the medical zone <laughs> uh as i sometimes do in this podcast but i do, do you know what i mean yeah you know once, once it's healed it should be all right um, awful, obviously though, in the short to medium term awful and very painful i'd imagine um but oh yeah I, i'm i'm clutching david i'm clutching because that is just Oh nasty, yeah! Nasty. Just did he do? Did he so do well. something awful in a previous life? Well, I mean, look, it, it, it's an awful shame if he can't play the O2 because he 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 worked very hard to qualify for it. It's ten years ago when he first qualified for it, um, but at the same time, you, if if he can take the time out, what is it, two three months now until the new season, and probably get right for for Australia, then. So be it. You know, uh, d- don't want to see him miss this. But yeah. you know, I mean, he missed Australia this year. Let's remember. Yeah, oh, you know, it's been ages since he's been to Australia. Yeah. How miserable! How miserable! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. You mentioned Roger Federer and said we're going to talk about whether whether he's going to give up tennis. Um, I, I've caused a bit of a... A uh, an argument and a, and, a, and and some some feedback on Twitter by um, just I don't know what what made me think of it. I just started to think last night. I wonder what the tipping point will be for him eventually deciding to call it a day. And uh, stupidly, I put that out on Twitter, and I got I've had about ninety replies so far. Uh, half of which um, seem to be that I, how dare I even bring this up at a moment when he's just suffered a loss. I mean, what that's got to do with it, I don't know. I mean, from from my vantage point, it's just a, a conversation point, and I'm and I'm curious to know because. Believe it or not, one day he won't play tennis because that's that's called getting old. Um, he, he's defied father time for an incredible amount of time, and he may well still have a lot more left in him. But I was just curious as to, you know, there, there have been some losses this year. There have been some performances that have made you think he doesn't quite look like he did a year ago and certainly at the start of this year. And I wonder whether it'll be disappointments like that or whether it will be something more more pre-planned in his mind that he's aiming for but anyway um his record from the australian open at the start of last year to indian wells of this year was 69 wins and six losses but since miami of this year he's won 22 matches and lost six matches so it's a pretty severe fall away of form i mean you know you're not going to match what he did necessarily of 69 and and 6 but still what what are your thoughts uh, I look I think I think let's not fall into the trap of um predicting Federer's demise like we did in in 2015 not for the first time just off the back of a run of few results you know it, wolf has been cried before however 
you know, one of these times it has to be for real. We know we know that he cannot go on forever. Yes, he has defied um, all laws of biology and physics for a long time, but he, fact, he won't go on forever. Um, he, I thought he looked really good against Nishikori and I thought he was looking a lot better on the faster courts of Shanghai uh, and it, and it reminded me just how much the the slower courts of the US Open really didn't suit him. That was a real that was a real blow for Federer, I think, the slowing down of the courts. Um, but but then he was so far short against Chorich. He did look a step slow. I don't necessarily think that means he's lost a step. Full stop. Because he he didn't look a step slow to me against Nishikori. So maybe it's just sort of end of year. Um, fatigue, you know, recovery time. But he was he was planting his foot on the backhand side just just a tad late. You, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I or do I mean a tad early? Just that that's always the the giveaway. Um, but <sighs> look, it's been a bad. It's been by Federer standards, it's been a bad run of results. I think I think that Anderson loss from two sets up at Wimbledon really really shook him i do i I think that okay i know there were a few not so great results before that hasn't won a title he's been stuck on 99 titles was it 98 since stuttgart um everyone was forecasting it's 98 isn't it because people forecasting that wimbledon could be his hundredth if he had won haller um where he of course lost to Chorich and then and then wimbledon but um, I think first the Chorich loss to a, to a far lesser degree, but then I think that Kevin Anderson loss, he needs a bit of time off to properly reset from that, really. Um, and put it, I don't think that's fully behind him yet. Um, so we'll see. At the same we'll time, the, 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 the time off thing, I, I also wonder whether that's now starting to work against him a little bit because he he's not winning as many matches, is he? So it's not quite the same as going and winning two tournaments and then having five weeks off and then winning two more. If you're not winning winning that many matches, then you're just basically not playing. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll find out, won't we, in the in the weeks and months to come, uh, how Federer bounces back from this. He's he's due to play. I think he's due to play Paris indoors, isn't he? Um, and uh, I don't know whether he is actually. He, then... He's. I don't think he's made it. I don't think he's fully confirmed his participation yet. Okay. Will he play Basel as well? Basel he's playing. Of course he is. That's Surely right. That's, Basel, that's the next yeah. one he's playing. Um, and uh, and then there is uh, the O2, of course, at the end of the year. So uh, um, it will be interesting, as it always is. Um, the other player we, we've got on the agenda here to talk about is Alexander Zverev. Just very quickly, he 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 sailed past a couple of the the young guys. Uh, Alex Dimonor thrashed him, and then he eventually came up against Djokovic, and he was thrashed himself six two six one. He's qualified for the O two. Are you a glass half full or glass half empty person when it comes to Zverev at the moment? Ah. Uh. Um, I don't know where I am with Zverev. I don't know. I, I found his comments about... Did you see his comments about the O2 meaning as much, if not more, than a Grand Slam? Yes. Um, those perplexed me. Because first of all, I thought, you haven't won a Grand Slam, mate. You've not even got close. Who are you to say that? Sort of speaking on behalf of Grand Slam winners, saying most of the guys 
value it as much, if not more, than a Grand Slam, I first of all thought, not sure that's true. And second of all, even if that is anecdotally your experience, is it really your place to say? I just thought that made him look a bit silly, really. He doesn't know how how any a Grand Slam feels. And I, I, I don't know. Do, do you know what I mean? It just felt slightly off key, mm. those comments. So of, of course, you're going to feel like qualifying for the O2 is huge. And it's a great achievement. Um, but... Are you really going to get to the end of your career and all you've done is qualify for the O2 every year and go, yeah, great, that's all I wanted to do, job yeah, done? Yeah, I, d- I dare say there is a bit of positive reinforcement in, in what he said there, that you know he's just he, he doesn't want to dwell on these slams too much because, frankly, they don't make too too pretty reading. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the fence as well. I mean, look, I, I think overall I'd be glasses half full in as much as I just cannot believe somebody this good who wins this often everywhere else isn't going to eventually just crack it at the slams, particularly with Ivan Lendl in his corner. But I tell you, 2019 feels to me like a massive year for Alexander Zverev. I mean, if he's not... If he's not done big things at the Slams by the end of 2019, do you do you see Lendl sticking around in 2020? I know that's we've just made a whole thing of the fact that a year is a long time in tennis and you can't really predict anything. But I'm not convinced. I, I mean, that he he's not going to be there in five years, slogging away with him if he if he's not sprinkled the ma- magic dust. I just I, I just think that Lendl is going to want to see something from him over the next year there's going to have yeah, to be some sort of breakthrough I think so too really. I mean a, a final would probably be enough but yeah it a, would be a, a, maybe a couple of semi-finals maybe I don't think quarterfinals are going to cut it progress needs to be made I mean look for, for many years despite the fact that Djokovic won the Australian Open he had a number of years then what was it three years really until he he actually broke through and won another one and he, he reached a lot of latter stages and came up short, so yeah, and, he's not reaching the it. latter stages though. He's coming up short against guys that he should beat. That's the I, issue, I understand that, but if you look at his age, I mean, he's still what is he twenty one? So he's yeah. still very young too. But it's just again, it feels like we've been having this conversation for for too long now. On the on the case of uh, Alexander Zverev, Carl Edmund got to a quarter final, decent uh, decent performance from him. He was eventually beaten by uh, Zverev as well. Um, he could maybe getting towards the uh, the alternate spot uh, for, for London and obviously with Del Potro's injury now that that may may become relevant at some point but we will we'll wait and see I, I thought it was a pretty good week for Edmund again because he backed up last week's what was it semi-final in in Beijing yeah yeah decent week mm. positive so elsewhere uh, anything else from Shanghai you want to say Catherine before we move on well, there was the there were all the comments about uh, Davis Cup flying around and the fact that PK was there. But is that in a, a separate portion of the agenda? I think we can go straight into that personally. So let's go. Let's go straight there. Yeah, because Stuart Fraser, our colleague from the Times, he was over in Shanghai and getting all the goss from the ground. And yeah, basically everybody who came into press conference was asked about the Davis Cup. First of all, Roger Federer said, "I highly doubt that I'll be playing. We'll see what happens. I don't think it was designed." Designed for me, anyhow, which is interesting. He thinks it was designed for the next generation. Alexander Zverev has said making a tournament at the end of November is crazy. By the end of the year, we're all tired. It's not happening. And I guarantee you, well, I will not be the only one. Um, we had Novak Djokovic saying, I just feel the date of Davis Cup is really bad, especially for top players. Between the two, 
I will prioritise the World Team Cup because that's a competition of the ATP, of which he's now been voted, re-elected back onto as the head of the ATP Player Council. He said, we'll have to obviously discuss with, with his own team, but that is already three of your biggest players basically saying that they're probably not going to play it, which is it's it's quite upsetting, I think, to probably not surprising as well given all we've heard to this point the fact that they've got this tournament taking place in in mid mid to late november of 2019 what i didn't realize catherine was that actually the the world team cup is due to take place from the 27th of december until the 5th of january five weeks between the two it is insane to use that that phrase. To, to use Chris Camo's phrase. Yeah, I found it all really, really distressing, actually, all of those comments. Um, and, oh, yeah, to, I mean, I found Roger Federer's um, justification for, for probably not playing really disappointing and, and a cop-out, an absolute cop-out, really, to say this was designed for the future generation of players. He knows his power in tennis. He's well aware of it and he uses it for great good a lot of the time. Um, he he knows the significance and the power of him committing, even just for one year in its inaugural year, committing to play, the boost that would give it, the the the... the, the yeah, and the message it would send to other players. He is more than aware of all of that. So for him to say, it's not really for me, you know, I, I, I find that I find, I find find that really disappointing um, from Roger Federer. Um, Do you think it's fair enough, Catherine, <laughs> if, if a player didn't believe in this whole upheaval in the first place or if you were Leighton Hewitt or, or, or whoever it is if you if you felt really strongly about it in the first place do you think it's fair enough to say well because of all that I, I'm not going to 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 make myself available it's a stand I'm going to take uh, I but, don't, but I don't Federer didn't do take that stand against the Davis Cup reforms or if or if you've got in, in his case as well uh, uh, your own event no, none of the players got, that are speaking out took a took a stand against Davis Cup reforms did they so, I guess in principle, I mean, I, I saw some. I've seen some people suggesting that it, it's it's wrong of GB to have accepted a wild card when they voted against the reforms. I personally don't don't share that view. I think that would be sort of cutting off their nose to spite their face. Do you really, think it's fair enough to say, out the to say I'm not going to play because it's just in a ridiculous time of the year, uh, or, or do you just think? The Davis Cup is so important. What, but to playing the sport. it at the end, playing it at the end of November. Yeah, but that, I don't see a lot of the the uh, big money um, exhibitions taking place. You know, for example, in Saudi Arabia on the twenty second of December. Um, nobody's commenting on what a ridiculous time of year they are. I mean, not if the you're, same though, is it? Having a hit and no. Look, tell me a better time of year. September. I, I the, think that's a cop out. I think it's a cop out. If you, you know, if if you if you want to play enough, you you want to play. Look, I, the the wider scheduling of tennis and the fact that the season is too long is a separate issue. It's not Davis Cup's fault that that is that is the case, and they have to fit within an already stretched and overworked framework. If you had it though, in the you know, place you could, of you the could, you, could, Cup week. you could say, "Oh, the Australian Open's at a terrible time of year because it falls too close to Davis Cup." Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you singling out Davis Cup as the the the, 
the one for criticism in terms of the schedule. Of course it's not ideal. Of course it's not. But I don't think the proposed scheduling of the World Team Cup or whatever it's going to be sounds particularly great either. I mean, isn't that when they're all in the Maldives? Well, no, because they've pretty much finished their holidays and they're doing the first week of the tennis year, aren't they, from from 1st of January? I suppose January. so. So... Well, the, the, I, I don't... If, I, I don't know if, if Davis if Davis well. Cup were, if if Davis Cup were proposed to be in that end of December beginning of January week, do you think they'd all be saying that's inconvenient as well? Probably. Mm. I feel I just feel like it's a lazy excuse if 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 they were committed enough to it and it's a self fulfilling thing. If they commit to it, then others will commit to it and it will become something significant and meaningful or, but don't, don't or you remain get it, something don't significant you get it and in meaningful. A, don't you get it in a better part of the calendar if you raise objection at the outset like this and say, no, no, we, the problem is, though, that the sense Well, is of, there the flexibility? I, but I don't feel like Djokovic saying, well, I, I'm going to play the ATP event rather than the Davis Cup event. That's not, you know, trying to wield power to get it moved in the calendar, is it? That's just saying... I'm not that bothered. I'll, well, he, he did also say, I hope they can work out a solution to combine the two. The only thing is, he's part of that negotiation. I mean, he is the head of the ATP Player Council, so he does wield some some influence there, of course. Um, and actually, as you say, he ended up meeting Gerard Piquet for half an hour, as reported by Stuart Fraser, straight after, uh, after one of his match wins. So... Um, but he said it doesn't look like that's going to happen. We were all hoping a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, that something might happen. I suppose the one time a year you could have it uh, is is in Labour Cup week, which is where they've sort yeah. of identified where they'd like to have it. But they can't because there's a Labour Cup. And again, that just... What a mess, David. Oh, what an absolute mess. So frustrating. Right. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, it might not end up being worst case scenario, but it's for, it's becoming increasingly difficult to, to see it being resolved in a really satisfactory way isn't it i think they'll get i there. think it's gonna I went, still get think they'll where? get there but i just What's don't there? I, I think they will get to a point where they combine both of these events i just they're running out of time for next year that's the problem but i'm still hopeful because the the current solution sets the current situation is so ridiculous that i cannot see how it can be sustainable so that so surely that will lead to to eventually the right conversations being had and decisions being made that will be what do you what do you think um what do you think about this exhibition in saudi arabia that well, nadal and Djokovic are playing i think it's i think it's disappointing to be honest um for for a number of reasons um how much money do you need um why are you going there there's a heck of a lot at stake uh, over there i mean you, they're not it's not the only sporting event there's so many sporting events being held over there uh, at the moment i mean but you know there's there's that journalist who's who's been reportedly has gone missing and and is you know the concerns are that he's been murdered i mean this you know it's just it's it's i'm not happy about it really no no i mean even if even if you didn't feel strongly about the 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 there being that event and the players participating it the the timing of the announcement um being just was it the the day after Jamal uh, Khashoggi the uh, the 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 journalist that went that disappeared at the um 
the Saudi consulate, I think it was the day after or a couple of days after that they announced it, you know, it's just so tone deaf. And I know, look, I know it's it's absolutely not black and white. <laughs> you know, if, if we said that, it, you know, you shouldn't be playing tennis in, in any country uh, which uh, has a, a dubious moral record, then you could end up cancelling uh, an awful lot of American events uh, at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like it is, it's a sliding scale, isn't it? But the line has to be drawn somewhere. It has to be drawn somewhere. And sure, surely if you're drawing a line, it has to be drawn before Saudi Arabia because in terms of human rights and the rest of it, let alone the the very recent developments in the, the political climate. I mean, it, it's 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 beyond the pale, isn't it? We're talking about a country where rape is legal. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's so beyond. But I, I'm, a, I'm very conscious that it's not a black and white situation. I mean... Qatar's um, moral track record, and, and uh, certainly their, in terms of sports, their their human rights record with regards to the construction of the World Cup stadiums. I mean, that should be receiving an awful lot more attention. But we're all just sort of turning a blind eye to that. And tennis takes place happily in Qatar, and we all talk about it and support it, and that's all fine. Um, I still don't think they're anywhere near as bad as Saudi Arabia, but you know, it's not black and white. I get that, but. Mm. Um, it also doesn't feel right. It no. doesn't feel right. No. Uh, just uh, incidentally, talking about let's talk about something slightly brighter in terms of uh, of the behaviour of tennis players. And there is a lot of good behaviour from tennis players generally, and, and well meaningness uh, around there as well. Um, not a nice situation, but but great pictures to have seen. Uh, Rafael Nadal helping to clear the the floodwaters uh, and in in the Mallorcan town of San Lorenc, I think it is, um, where torrential rain has has ravaged the area and killed twelve people. And, and he also offered to to the use of the Rafael Nadal Academy Sports Center to all the people affected, so that they could have somewhere to go. I mean, that was uh, that was a really nice thing to have done, and and also notable, I thought that he was. He was reluctant, from what I understand, to, for, for it to be publicised on one level, but also realised that by having pictures of him involved in the clear-up, it would get the attention that would help further. And and I must say, I didn't know too much about it until I saw the pictures of him. So, you know, that that is great to have seen that he's done that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He did look uncomfortable. It's not, it's not really his thing, is it? Um to uh yeah uh, uh, but absolutely it's just uh, what more can be said it was a, just a very good thing he did mm. brilliant good on you rafa um now should we talk about a bit of the tennis that's gone on uh, elsewhere this week in hong kong uh, a player i must admit i don't think i'd seen before hong kong this week has won the title diana yastremska have i said that well has beaten i, I, I think so i mean i, I <laughs> I'm I'm no expert in the pronunciation of uh, Diana Yastremska, nor nor anything else about her. Uh, talking of pronunciations, apparently I've been getting not only we've been confusing Wang with Wong, which is the correct pronunciation of the player that's been just winning on a, a regular basis. It also should have been Chiang rather than Kiang. 
So we've got that one wrong too. Anyway. Chang Wong. Wong Chang. Exactly. Uh, Well, she lost to Diana Yastremska, 6-2-6-1 in the final there. Yastremska. Yastremska hadn't read the script, had she? No. Well, she hits a big ball from everything I'm hearing. I dare say Wong was uh, was struggling a bit physically after all the work she's put in. I mean, she she beat uh, Muguruza from a a breakdown in the final set in the semi-final. So great run for her again. What a run she has had recently. But Yastremska, the the champion in Hong Kong. Caroline Garcia won her first title of the year in Tianjin, beating Carolina Pliskova, uh, a tournament at which Pliskova beat Katie Bolter of Britain in the quarterfinals good run for Bolter uh, she got a couple of really good wins including one against Maria Sakari the world number 42 so that puts Bolter into the top 100 for the first time uh, nice line as well to see Tamea Baczynski back winning tennis matches she got to the semi-finals in, in uh, Tianjin it was in tears afterwards she's had horrible injuries again hand surgery including all that she just you know how we said Kiki Burton's looks like the sort of player that you'd probably want to be mates with? I think Baczynski's another one, don't you? Oh, yeah, I'm well up for being mates with Tamer Baczynski. She's brilliant. Um, okay. Yeah, she's a very real, real person, um, if that makes sense. She's very human, mm. um, very relatable. She's got that amazing story about how she'd retired from tennis. She was working um, in the hospitality industry. She was working in a hotel, I think. And she got the call to say you've got into the the qualifying draw for the French Open, you know, on your residual ranking. And she just threw some tennis rackets in the back of a car and um, set off from from Switzerland to to Paris and uh, qualified. And and I think she got to the fourth round. Went on a run anyway. Um, so yeah, one of those. It's the old story of sort of having a real perspective on the sport after having had time away and then enforced time away with these injuries and surgery that she's had. Um, It's been a real rocky road back for her. Um, And, oh, gosh, it was was really emotional um, to see those tears. And also Mm. a marker of how big a deal it is these days to beat Sabalenka. Six months ago, it wouldn't be beating Sabalenka that would make you burst into tears and make you feel like, right, I'm I'm back here. So it's massive compliment to Arena Sabalenka. It, it was, yeah. Um, another little line as well here for Jack Draper, the 16-year-old British player who's won his third pro title in five weeks. He's only just turned pro um, by picking up the title in Lagos, uh, the 25,000 event. I, I saw the last few points of that. He had four match points. Great crowd uh, out for that final and, and just a brilliant experience for him to have had because it wasn't just winning the title it was being put through the mill he had one match point in which his opponent just made incredible number of retrievals and the crowd were going wild and draper still got the win so quite exciting isn't it seeing the way he's going along he's a, he's 400 and something in the world now yeah he's very un-british in his attitude isn't he he's very you know he's got a little bit of sort of american punky jock about him which i think will serve him well i think sometimes being British isn't necessarily the best of things in terms of uh, becoming a professional athlete, certainly in individual sports, although mm. our football team would suggest it's also an issue in team sports. Um, but you know what I mean? Having that sort of, um, I don't care what people think of me, uh, no stiff upper lip here vibe, that Indeed. sort of thing. Yeah. In, in, you have, David, yes. you have tweeted while we've been recording this podcast. Well, you know, I, I'm a multitasker. 
Oh. Except you're really not a multitasker. I know you. You're a terrible multitasker. I'm brilliant at multitasking. How dare you? What What on earth makes you say that? I've known you for 12 years. Every <laughs> single moment of those 12 years makes me say that. I can't believe you've been tweeting. Hold on a minute. You've been, so you've been monitoring Twitter while we've been having the tennis podcast? Just well, when you said that the uh, the Delpo statement had, had come out, I just refreshed my feed just to just to make sure I was you know getting the facts straight, and I see that oh, David Laws tweeted about it <laughs> twenty two minutes ago. I just thought I'd stick that Unbelievable. out. Unbelievable. Well, there we are. You know, that, I'm just doing my bit. Um, now, uh, Wimbledon are looking increasingly as if they're going to be able to expand. Uh, having made a, an offer to uh, to the Wimbledon Park Golf Club over the over the road, and uh, more than seventy five percent of the voters needed to to say yes to a further ballot in order to consider this this offer, and it does look like it'll go through. Now, if it does, it will, according to Simon Briggs, our uh, Telegraph partners here on the Tennis Podcast, according to Simon, if they, if this all happens. Wimbledon is likely to treble in in space to you know expanding its current site which is would there, be really is, something is there such it? a thing as too big no i mean it, I the, know, that sounds that sounds like a long walk <laughs> yeah all right well okay too too big for Catherine Whitaker's <laughs> i d- i i mean i know a big part of the plan is um moving the qualifying to the area where the golf club would be or is now, um, and I love Wimbledon qualifying being off-site. I love no. it. Wimbledon, yeah, I really, really love. I know it's not great for journalists and everything, but Wimbledon qualifying Quaint. is one of my favourite events of the year. I get it, but it'd be better if they it let was dogs at in. They let dogs in. Well, we can still let them in to the bigger it's site. Like, if it's three times as big, you can get more dogs in. I sa- okay. I'll eat my words if. The newly expanded Wimbledon opens for qualifying in what was it going to be twenty twenty one? Yeah, and there are Labradors roaming the place. And we can go. We can go back in the archive, find this episode, and replay it. And, and there will be more. There'll be fool. plenty of room for Kids Day, Catherine. So have they know. have they said have they said they're going to no. hold a Kids Day? But right then, I'm just saying. If they say if they say dogs and Kids Day, then I'll get excited about it. Until then, I feel like. Pff, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I, I don't feel. I don't feel opposed to it. I just feel uninterested by it. Well, yeah, but we need to grow <laughs> in order to move on, don't we? Do oh. we? I mean, can we not grow the French Open? Well, yeah, but that is, that is so growing, small. Isn't it? That, that is, is that, the one. That's that, the one that's hectic. But that's expanding. Not enough. But it's going to expand <laughs> they, big time. Could they? Could they expand into the golf club across the road from Wimbledon? More or less. That's basically what they're doing, isn't it? From what I understand. Okay. Uh, but anyway, not so, I mean they they take their time. The French, they yes, well they do. Wimbledon step on the gas and get it done. Uh, so anyway, that's that's the news there. Uh, Fed Cup draws been made uh, for, or at least the pre-draw for the February ties in Bath, and Britain will be in a group of four with Croatia or Hungary, Turkey or Greece or in Georgia or Slovenia, if that makes sense. Uh, the Australian Open 2019 launch has happened. Uh, prize money increase, you won't be surprised to know. 25-second uh, shot clock on all main draw matches. Heat stress index to replace the extreme heat policy, although no actual detail of what the heat stress index is going to be yet. Uh, they'll continue trying... It's going to be putting a phone call in to Catherine Whitaker and saying, are you stressed about the heat? And I'll say, yes, I am. And then what? 
and then they'll just cancel it all and say, go and lie by a pool, everyone. Until great, about 8 great. o'clock tonight. Yeah, right, great. Okay. That's how it works, everybody. Uh, hot off the press uh, here on the Tennis Podcast. Uh, Joe Conter and Michael Joyce are no longer a partnership, and Conter is now working on a trial basis, BBC Sport understands, with Dmitry Zavialov, who worked with Stan Wawrinka for 17 years. Uh, perhaps not that big a surprise, because Stan Wawrinka has been represented by Starwing Sports, who are led by Lawrence Frankopan, an agent I know quite well, uh, uh, he, he's been with them for a long time. Contra has now started being represented by them as well. And that's often how these uh, coaching assignments are made is, you know, I've had experience of him with one player and so you might as well give him a go, that kind of thing. Um, but this would be her fourth coach in about three years because she had Esteban Carril, then Wim Fissette, then Michael Joyce, and uh, now Dmitry Zavialov. So it's it's a lot of coaches, in, in fact, in just over two years. Yeah, she needs one of these to work long term, really. I mean, let's be honest, it never worked with Michael Joyce, um, despite her protestations um, to the contrary. We knew, you know, she she kept saying, oh, it's just a matter of time before it clicks. Everything on the practice court's great. But you could tell it wasn't, you know, their dynamic just just wasn't right. Um, Why do you think that was? I mean, my sense is because he was trying to get her to do something different and he was trying to tell her... To, which which to I don't a little foreign to what she was used to. Yeah, which I don't necessarily think is is the wrong thing. I just think she is opposed to that. I think she thinks I've got my game. Um, it's a very good game when it's on. Uh, if it's not on, I'm you know I'm prepared to be beaten. But she's not particularly up for changing that game, is she? But I think I think sort so. of consciously she was. Hence why she hired him, and I think she wanted to to hear all the things that he said in a logical way and then the moment that it was tense and she was actually going to have to put them into practice I think she wanted to resort to what she knew and he was not having that and I think there was a discord and it wasn't working that that's kind of how I see it because I've, I've thought a lot about this a lot of people saying that Conta needs to add more to a game have a plan b etc I just sort of think, well, what's the point? I don't think you're going to be. She's going to be good enough to do that. I think she'd be better off absolutely maximising Plan A and winning as often as she can with that. Really? Yeah. Well, I think she she agrees with you. And you, you yeah, you could well be right. Could well be right. But I mean, it's a lot of change for her, isn't it? No consistency. In the, but pretty much all her team have gone. Um, whole new whole new ensemble around her so let's see I mean on the basis of the last year that's no bad thing is it to have a bit of a fresh start get a new puppy get a new coach puppy well, first I like her, her order of priority puppy as assistant coach that you know put the puppy on the side of the course how could you not fail how could you fail to be uplifted absolutely right okay it's an under, underused tactic we, we, Catherine, we haven't Have got you, it, we haven't got yeah. time for worse tennis jokes i'm afraid uh, on this edition of the tennis podcast we're gonna have to leave them for next week because there's lots to get through. oh jokes i thought you said jokes i was like about to intervene and say that was never on my agenda and uh, nor nor will it be i have got a good knock knock joke which was told to me no, by the world number no, four no 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 no, no. Right. Okay, uh, Catherine, we'll, we'll talk about her worst tennis jokes next week on the show. Or if you one... want to hear David's knock-knock joke, I'm quite sure he'll put it on Twitter in the next week, so don't yes. worry. I'll, I'll do a separate podcast without Catherine on it if you want. 
No? All right, fine. Just uh, David Catherine, does jokes. Have a lovely week. Um, uh, <laughs> you too. <laughs> this has been a tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph with executive producers Melanie Bowes, Triple S and TennisBalls.com sponsored by La Manga Club and we have enjoyed talking to you and to you, Catherine. We'll speak to you all next week. 